Welcome to the ministry of Harvest Life Church. We pray that this message would help harvest the life God has for you. Are you okay? That's the, that's the title of this sermon. That's what we've been calling it. We got it from the National Mental Health Association that has a national campaign going. And we thought, who better to be a part of this than the church? Did you know that there was a time that medical scientists left the mental health of patients to the church? And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to shine a light on this issue once again. And he wants the church to lead in helping people who are struggling with anxiety, helping people who are struggling with panic attacks, helping people who are struggling with all sorts of eating disorders, helping people who are struggling in their life. Because many of even God's people live with a dark veil over their heart and over their mind. And it separates them. And sadly, many of us are ashamed or afraid to talk about it. it. Because we believe that as Christians, we should have it all together. But can I help you with that, family? Listen, just because Christians know the right things and how things should be does not mean we're all the way saved to actually do those things. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. For those of you who don't know, did you know you're a tripartite being? <laughs> you have three parts. You have a spirit, soul, and body. If you're born again, your spirit is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit never gets depressed. Your spirit never has anxiety. Your spirit man, the part that is the new creation, never gets down. Your spirit man doesn't grieve, right? All of that happens in your soul. Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And that's why the Bible talks about the fact that you are saved. But then in other places it says, right now you're being saved. And then in another place it says, you will be saved. Well, our, our spirit is saved. Our soul is being saved. And our body will one day be saved when we go to heaven. There'll be no more aging. There'll be none of that. But if you don't recognize that just because the Bible says what is right, what should be, and what could be, does not mean that that is instantaneously everybody's experience. Because the Lord is saving us. We have a Savior. He is saving us. Right? But we always put ourselves down. Well, I, I know I should be better, but I'm not I'm not doing better. Why? Because you need a savior. You still need saving in that part of your life. Right? So we have to recognize something. When darkness is putting a veil over our heart, darkness isn't an entity in and of itself. Darkness has no power in and of itself. All the darkness is, is the absence of light. It's the absence of light. And so we cannot be ashamed of this subject. We cannot be afraid about it. We've actually got to shine God's light upon it. We've got to be real with ourselves. We've got to be able to tell one another. And we've got to have a church that can ask, are you okay? And then have some power to help. Can I hear a good amen? Because until we bring the light 
See, that's what the devil always tells you. Keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody. But until you expose it to the light, you can never have hope. You can never change. Amen? Listen, five, five lies the devil tells us about this. He tells people you're all alone. It's not true. You're not all alone. You're not the only one dealing with anxiety, dealing with suicidal thoughts, dealing with panic attacks, dealing with shame, dealing with uh, 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 depression. You're not the only one. 60 million Americans right now are dealing with mental health issues. One in five Americans are right now on or have been on antidepressants. 40,000 people commit suicide every year with another million who think or do attempt it. Suicide has just become the number one killer for people between the ages of 15 and 24. My family, we have, a demo, uh, uh, we have an epidemic on our hands and, and people are not alone. This is happening to a lot of people and it's even happening in the church and we've got to get God's answer on this. Can you say amen to that? No, you're not alone. Number two lie, you're weak. You're weak for having this. Listen, you're not weak. You live in a fallen world. And part of living in this fallen world is people get and, and contract what we would call mental illness. Just like physical disease that is now in this fallen world, mental, mental illness is a disease. And it's in this world. Right? It's in this world. And, 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 and Christians can be affected by it. Listen, number three. Uh, here's another other lie that the devil keeps things up. You're, you're hopeless, right? You're hopeless. I review these first ones for those who weren't here last week so you can be in on what we're saying today. You're hopeless. Listen, this is a big lie from the devil. Far too many people think that once you have mental illness, you'll never get better. That's just not true. You will get better if you learn to shine the light on it. You will get better if you tell somebody. You can get better for treatment. There are treatments that work. Can you say amen to that? Through the word of God, through prayer, through doctors, through faith, through important conversations with people who love you, through supernatural means, through natural means. Use every effort to heal yourself, the word says in one translation. Amen? Amen? No, we, we can't just be a one approach and just say, well, we tried and it didn't work. No. No, we, we have to recognize there is hope. God says to you and I today, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts for purpose, to give you a purpose and a hope. God has hope for you, so don't lose hope in yourself. Here's another one. It's your fault. It's your fault you're like this because, because you use something you shouldn't have used. You're depressed because uh, you, you know, you're one of those ones that you know, sm were smoking too much marijuana and, and that new marijuana is so strong and now you've got, you've got these issues mentally that you never had before. By the way, did you know that's sweeping our land today? Directly attributed to the new pot. Right? And, and so it's my fault. I shouldn't have smoked it. So it's my fault. So I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. Listen, that is a red herring that the devil uses against people. Amen. A red herring is an idiom that what it means is it's, to, it's, it's, it's a distraction from what is actually the important issue. 
And so the devil distracts you by saying it's your fault. Listen, I don't know about you, but Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He didn't come and say, okay, I'm taking care of all the sin that wasn't your fault. No, his cross is for everything they did for you, to you and everything you did that you knew better, should have done better. Come on, can I get some help up in here? That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's why you have the cross, but the devil will tell you that because you'll stay in the dark and you'll keep the answer away from you, right? Listen. Here's another one. All mental illness is the same. That's not true. That's not true. And today I, I want to talk to you for a few moments about building the kind of spirit in this house that can really help people. And I, what I want you to do is I, I'm going to quickly go through some scriptures that talk about God's agape love and what that is and how that's supposed to be in us. Okay, because as your pastor, I cannot look at our country and see what is happening among our young people and see young, young girls and young boys uh, triggered and brought under the effect of demonic spirits, brought under the effect of mental illnesses and all sorts of things that are plaguing humanity. I cannot in good conscience as a pastor sit up here and point my finger. I've got to get down in the grass and I got to help somebody out today. And I want to build a culture in this church where we can say, are you okay? And have something to help somebody with. How many think that'd be a good idea? But we have to understand why. Why should the church take this on? Matthew chapter 5. Just write these scriptures down for your reference later. And we'll have them up on the screen. Starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned again? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. My family, we as the church have got to deal with this issue. We are the city on the hill. We are the ones that have been given the light. We have to make sure our light is shining. Can I hear a good amen? amen. And then the Bible tells us something very interesting for us to make room in our thinking for this thought on the love of God and on loving people. Listen to it. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And you've heard me teach extensively on this, but I'm just going to remind you that Jesus said unto them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the first, and this is the first and, and great commandment. And the second is like it, where it says the second is like it in the original language, what it actually says, and the second is equal to it. Jesus said this second one is just as important as loving the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind. Watch it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
It's funny how we are. We all get run down in life and we, we realize, oh, I haven't read the word for a while or I haven't prayed for a while, so I need to shut off from everyone and go and pray and read. And I get that. There are times that we need to do that. Can you say amen to that? And we should have those habits of doing that every day. But you never hear anybody say, wow, I'm really dry. I haven't loved my neighbor enough. I need to take some time to connect with some people because they're really irritating me right now, which means I need to go love some people. See the difference? See, those two are like two logs that get run together and create fire. How many know you got, if you're going to get fire, you got to rub two sticks together. And the one stick is loving God wholeheartedly. The other stick that gives you Holy Ghost fire is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And you rub those two things together and you're going to have some Holy Spirit fire in your life. And my brother, my sister, sometimes it's not wrong to read the word. You should read the word every day. But sometimes what you need is to go fellowship with somebody because there's something there that they have for you or you could have for them. Can you say amen to that? Listen to John 13, verse 34 through 35. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Do you remember that time in the Bible when Jesus, right before Jesus, the living word came, he said to the father, father, I, I don't want to go down there. I really love them. You remember that scripture? He said, I don't like them, but I love them. I'll love them, but I'm not going to like them. You remember that scripture? Who give me the reference? Yeah, it's not in the Bible. That scripture's not there. Notice what he said. Love them as I have loved them. Jesus isn't walking around, well, I, I, I love that Dave Whaley, but I really don't like him today. No, Jesus likes me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves people. Jesus likes people. I know there's things that they do that you and your humanity may not like, but Jesus said that we're to love them like he loved them. So the very first thing we need to do is stop making excuses for why we don't love people because your lack of like is actually a lack of love. Very often right? It means that you want to live at the level of your irritation instead of the level of God's love. And if we're not careful, we'll all do that. So I'm just sautéing your faith here today to build your love. How many can honestly say, I just want to be the kind of Christian that loves people the way I'm supposed to love people? And to really help you with it, listen to it. First John chapter 3, listen to it. This is awesome. Verse 18, this is going to really help you. Some of you, it's going to make you feel really good. Because you're going to realize that Jesus isn't talking about the loving feeling. Right? He lost that loving feeling. Whoa, that. He's not singing that today to you. He doesn't care about your loving feeling. A loving feeling just means your brain got a hormone secreted in it. That's where feelings come from. That's your loving feeling. People change their whole life because their brain got wet. That's human love. That's it. That's bonding. That's, that's chemicals. It's, yeah, it's scientific. I just fell out of love with them. Well, of course you did, darling. Now you're living with them. You're going to need another kind of love to add to that love. 
right? Listen, 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, in other words, don't let God's love, that word agape, the God kind of love. And you know what agape simply is? It's to have goodwill towards somebody. That despite how you feel, you have goodwill towards them and you're able to do goodwill, good towards them, no matter what they've done to you. That's what God, the kind of God love God has for us. It's a love of his will. I love you. I, I'm going to do the loving thing. It's, it's so funny. We can, we can nod our head and say, amen, amen. But listen to what he says. Love's not a feeling. That's what he's saying. That's not just love in word, right? But let's love in action. Let's not be Christians that, that we have the doctrinally, doctrine of love that we can mentally agree with. But God is love. And wherever God's love is, is where the power of God is. So when you as God's child get up and say, I'm going to act out my love towards somebody by saying, are you okay? And being willing to take the time, being willing when you're talking to people to give them all your attention and all your efforts and to be present, not only in your life, but in their life. And it's an awesome thing. And it's in those moments that God's love can come through and help and encourage and, and, and lift somebody up. Amen. So in closing today, I want to talk to you, and, and you, you all know what closing means, right? Absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. But no, seriously, I really, I had a bunch, I've, I've prepared so much, and I just, I, just, I just have a lot to get to you. But I, I want to I teach you today how the enemy starts a stronghold in our mind. I want to teach you how the enemy... How, how our mental health begins to slide, how it begins to slide. Because if you can figure out how to build, how, how the enemy builds negative mental health on the inside of us, how, how anxiety, how fear, how, how depression, if you can understand how all those things are built. Now, I will tell you that there is a type of depression that is chemical that, that, that may need some help, right, from a doctor, but it, most depression usually starts in the soul realm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it to you today. Up on the screen, we have the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Watch this. For God didn't, has not given unto us the spirit of fear. Well, I mean, no, if he didn't give you the spirit of fear, then he's not given us the spirit of depression. Now, we may have it, but God didn't give it. You're gonna, in a minute, you're going to see why that's important. Right? God hasn't given us the spirit of anxiety. Right? Now, you may have it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're weak. Right? But you need to know that God didn't give it. Watch this. For God has not given unto us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So this is what God has given. When you come to him and his word comes alive in your life and you accept him in your heart, God says, I'm going to give those people some power that's not of them, that's from me. And I'm working love in their life. That agape I talked about, you're going to get home and you're going to be like, you know what? I really should pick that up, but I don't feel like it. But I'm not going to rely on my brain getting wet. I'm going to just get up and do the loving thing without the feelings. 
Oh, and here's the good thing. When you get up and demonstrate love towards somebody and, it, and you know it hit the target, guess what happens? Your brain gets wet. And then you feel like it. Those, you're not getting this. It's literally a chemical. Right? It's the one we're addicted to. That feeling, that chemical charge of feeling it. Do you know you can learn how to keep that chemical alive in your relationship when you don't live for the chemical, but you do the right thing and let the chemical come and complement what you did. Amen. You're all quiet out there. I know you're taking it in. Right? See, he didn't give us the, they gave us a spirit of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. So how do we get a sound mind? Okay, I'm going to close with this. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity... Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now let me break this down for you. Every stronghold in your life begins with a thought. It begins with a thought. The devil doesn't begin on the outside. He begins on the inside. And you have a thought. Let's just say it's fear. We took, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Aren't you glad to know that God didn't give it to you? See, some people labor under that lie because they think because they have it, God must have allowed it. But you see, that, that's kind of a twisted way of looking at it. This world is fallen, and we're not living in the world that God planned, Right? So what God is saying to you, if you know I didn't give it to you, then that means you don't have to receive it. Amen. Let me try that over here. If you know God didn't give it to you, then that means you don't have to receive it. Amen. Let me tell this team over here, you know what else that means? That means God is your partner in fighting this battle and fighting it. So you, you have the fear, and so you begin, you take the thought. You take the thought, right? And you dwell on that thought, right? You dwell on that thought. For whatever reason, that thought, you, you know, you kind of get afflicted with that thought. And a battle begins. How many know we're in a war? As a matter of fact, I got a great book for you. If you want to figure out on the ground level how to do this, you ought to get Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. If you've never read it, you need to read that book, and she breaks it down. And I mean, it's awesome. It'll help you. I think we got it in the bookstore. If we don't, you can order it, and she'll get them in for you. Okay? Every Christian should read that. The Battle of the Mind. There's a war going on, folks, and it's a war for your thoughts. And this shouldn't surprise us because Proverbs told us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can, the devil can never get his poison into you unless he first gets it into your brain. But if you don't know that you're supposed to resist it, if you don't know that you're supposed to replace it with God's thought, right? 
And, and, and so as a man thinks, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen to this. Whether they're bad strongholds or godly strongholds, they're built in exactly the same way. Let's have our scripture back up there again. Casting down, casting down, look at that, imaginations. Everybody say imaginations. Amen. Uh, another word there is contradictions. In other words, it, it contradicts the word of God. You have got to cast them down, right? Just like in those, just like, you know how, you know how a building is destroyed? They, they figure out how the building was built and they put charges and dynamite right where all the creases and all the parts come together. They can blow that building down and not have one stone go more than 50 yards away. They can topple a 20-story building, just like that, because they know how to take it down. And the, the, the enemy uses the same weapons, right? He, he, these, these, these contentions against the Word of God begin to come up. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought, every thought, Right? So let me, in closing, give you three building blocks of a stronghold. Number one, number one, three building blocks of a stronghold. Number one, every stronghold begins with a thought. Every single one begins with a thought, right? Somehow the devil begins to get over on a young girl. And this usually happens to young girls, but it can happen to young boys. And they see the other girls and they start looking at themselves and maybe they don't look quite the same. And maybe the boys tease them and all of a sudden they get it in their mind that they're extremely overweight, right? And they begin to diet in an unhealthy way because for some reason they take that thought and they take it as their own instead of resisting it. They don't know to resist it. So it, so it begins to form in them. Right? And so the stronghold begins with a thought, whether it's from th darkness or whether it's from God. Somehow in that process, we select a thought and it just, it just hits on us. It just hits on it. And if it's of a negative nature, it's because that's how the enemy of your soul wants you to take it. The devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants you to take it wrong. So you take it and you begin to meditate on it. But here's the second thing that begins to happen. You begin to speak it or act upon it. Now you're not just thinking it, right? You begin to act on and speak about that which has been selected, this negativity. And now the stronghold goes to the next level, right? That's why Matthew 7, Jesus said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we? Because whatever you think, you're going to say. You're going to eventually start saying it, and you're going to eventually start acting on it. You're going to eventually call yourself ugly. It'll begin as a thought, and the devil will make sure that you nurse that. He'll make sure you compare yourself, and you'll always look with a jagged comparison. It won't be an accurate comparison, but you won't know it. And you'll begin to compare yourself. You'll begin to speak it, right? I've seen this all my life, family. And finally, because you don't bring the negative thought into captivity, bring the thoughts into captivity, subdue them with the higher thought, you become subdued because there is no higher thought. 
All you have is the thought the enemy was wanting you to believe, wanting you to act on, and now it's a part of your life. It's a part of your life, and it only gets stronger. You know, it's really funny. I, I have a battle with fear. I, I'm not, I mean, I've won the battle of fear. But just because I've won it doesn't mean that it's done. I won't tell you the story, but I mean, I confront fear in a radical way. This is so funny. I tell the story of walking through our old building because uh, the lights were all, they were all weird when we were in the schoolhouse. And, and uh, I was always afraid out in that country schoolhouse that I was going to walk into somebody in the dark. So I would come in yelling and screaming and praising God and and uh, I'd run to the first light and turn the light on. I'd say, I bind you. Anybody in here? Jesus is Lord. I'm walking through the next light, turning it on. And you had to literally walk into the dark to turn the next light on. Right? All the way through that old Ruth Lane schoolhouse. And finally I realized, David, you're a scaredy cat. You're coming here to pray for church and you're scared to death. And so I just started walking through without the lights on. And I knew the way. Right, just praying in tongues, walking, and pretty soon I wasn't even afraid. Didn't even think of it. Was able to walk totally in the dark until I skipped, tripped over a kid's table one day. And then I said, you know what? You can turn the lights on now that you're not afraid. Last night, I'm sitting here at 11, 11.30 at night last night, just kind of praying, and I kept here in the building, kind of do all these weird things. How I many you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, the door opened up. I heard, a door, I heard a door open up, and I said to myself, you know what? You should just stand against this and see who this is. And I said, heck no. And I ran out that door and jumped in my car. And I, I'm like, I'm going to drive around the building and see if somebody's here. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm teaching this. And I'm like, isn't that funny? If I'm not careful, I could get another stronghold. But I'm not walking through in the dark. Come on, somebody. Thanks, James. Oh, there he is. It was James. He had been at a wedding. He had to bring his stuff home. But see, if I don't subdue that, if I don't subdue that, it'll take a little bit more ground next time. And pretty soon, pretty soon the devil can pin you to your own home because you're afraid. Amen? Are you listening to me? Write this down in closing. Whatever thought that doesn't agree with God's word Whatever thought that doesn't agree with God's word needs to be resisted when it first comes. You resist, and if it doesn't make you feel right, if it doesn't make you feel good, then you know right away it's an unholy thought. If it doesn't build you up, then it's an unholy thought that you got to find out what God says, and you got to replace it and choose to believe it until you don't feel that thought anymore. you got to tear it down. Everybody say, tear it down. You got to tear it down. Here's, here's one for anybody struggling with anorexia. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, devil. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you say amen to that today? Here's one more thought in closing. Your continual reasonings will produce your conduct. Your continual reasonings will produce your conduct. What's going on in your mind? Are you thinking about how good God is? Are you thinking about all the blessings that are before you? Or are you thinking about all of life's challenges? Are you thinking about the blessings? Are you, th are you putting your mind there? Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps a stronghold is being built right now. And you're going to have to tear that stronghold down. I hope today helped you. Did you enjoy today, family? 
I want us to stand together. We're just going to take a few moments. I, we've got plenty of time. Nobody leaving. But I, I just want you to have a moment of, of worshiping God and of telling those chains in your life to fall. Thank you for listening. We trust this message has blessed your life. For more sermons by Pastor David Whaley, visit us at www.harvestlifechurch.org.